Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, your hostess with the mostest, guide from the side, and mistress of ceremonies. Together, we're about to explore and deconstruct the shame and stigma surrounding our sexuality. You heard that right. We're going deep on the topics of sex, relationships, spirituality, health, and everything else that impacts our ability to live, love, and orgasm freely. My hope is to shine a light on our shared experiences by normalizing taboo topics and empowering each of you to reclaim autonomy of your pleasure, your bodies, and your lives. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where I ask all the uncomfortable and embarrassing questions for you. Our unofficial mantra is be curious, not judgmental. So leave your inner prude at the door or strap her in tight because this is happening. Hey guys, it's Kristen and James. We'll see if she makes her presence known. She is really big into blowing raspberries, spitting mouth farts right now. So if you hear some of that in the background, just let it, you know, let it add some spice and flavor to this intro for you. We are really excited to introduce you to some special friends of ours. Jonathan and Joe Encarnacion are on the podcast today. They are the co-hosts of one of my favorite new podcasts called Hella Married. Oh, there she goes, where they are helping you get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Hella Married is a podcast that dives into messy conversations around sex, love, relationships, communication, parenting, and everything in between. Brought to you by Joe and Jonathan Encarnacion, the dynamic duo. They have been married for almost 12 years, parent to two incredible young ladies, lady ladies, and have spent the past 18 years navigating the waters of loving one another, falling out of love with one another, and learning how to grow and evolve together. Each week, join Joe and John as they empower folks to get a little more comfortable with the uncomfortable. Well, guys, you met Joe earlier this week. My dear friend Joe was on. We did, it was a bonus episode that just came out this past Monday called Not Your Token, W-O-C. It is intense and awesome and magical. And she shares a lot about her journey as a Filipino American woman. She also shares a little bit on how she's navigating living a life that is less binary. And she went just a little into her decision to try on poly as a lifestyle for her and how that's been going. We didn't get into it too in depth because we were talking about other things like race and tokenism and female leadership, et cetera, et cetera. So definitely check out that episode if you have not heard it. But before we actually recorded that episode, I sat down with her and her husband, John. So one of her two partners, she has a long-term um, partner, Chris, and then her husband, John, longer term. So we sat down together and we just talked a little bit about their story as a couple, about their marriage before they made the conscious decision to open it up and to begin the journey of navigating ethical non-monogamy together and their family structure, a little bit about their understanding and the culture around sexuality when they were growing up. We just, we get into all the things. They are some of my favorite people. They are incredible. And it is no coincidence that it is Pride Month and we are celebrating all of the different types of love, all of the different shapes and sizes and colors and smells of love. So 
with so much love, I offer up this conversation for you. I do understand as I'm recording this, that this is probably the most out there conversation I've had on the podcast so far. So I hope that my 21 or 22 episodes thus far have warmed you up, have taught you how to be curious and how to follow your discomfort down the curiosity rabbit hole so that you can figure out what it is that is making you uncomfortable. If it is an old belief that is no longer serving you that you get to thank and release, or if something simply isn't for you and you take what you need and you leave the rest. That's what we do together on the show every single week. So this episode is no exception. I hope you will come in with an open and curious mind and heart and that you will just really see the beauty and the humanity of this couple and how freaking magical they are and and how important the work is that they're doing in the world. They offer some really amazing coaching tips and communication tricks towards the end that was hard fought and won through, you know, nearly 18 years of togetherness. So without further ado, Joe and Jonathan Encarnacion, everyone. So Joe and Jonathan are joining me at Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I hey, like hey. saying it like that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being here. Oh, you're Thank so you. welcome. We're so honored. This is one of those conversations like right off the bat where I have so many things. There's so many like directions we can go and so much juicy hot tea to like dig into. <laughs> um, I feel like I didn't even use that right. I'm trying to be cooler and like utilize things that kids are you saying know, these days. It's real challenging. Thing. Yeah. The moment you become a mom, the cool wind, like the coolness just kind of flies out the window. It just I mean, away. I was calling it the Twitter when I was 23. So I've been behind for a while, <laughs> but like, it's just forget about it now. <laughs> nice. Yeah. We'll never be cool. Yeah. We're kids. never going to be cool. cool. So we can just be like mom and dad jokes the whole episode. And 100%. All day. Awesome. Fucking great. Okay. Well, you guys, I'm so happy to have you in the podcast uh, studio, which today is my guest room because my baby and my husband are out like in my little office area. So we're going to real cash. And I am thrilled that you're here because we're addressing something that has not yet been discussed on the podcast. We have talked about all manner of sexuality things, um, my personal background, you know, growing up like in the South and the Bible Belt, dealing with purity culture kind of shit, Mm. have lots of conversation around that. You know, we've talked about um, partnership and, you know, a lot of heteronormative Mm-hmm. type things, like really still very traditional um, kind of pairings and flavor, you know, and people are just kind of like, oh my God, she said butt stuff, you know, like that's kind of <laughs> where it's been. So yeah. I'm excited to hopefully make all of the listeners kind of uncomfortable today. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, it's our goal to make people comfortable with the uncomfortable. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just like our intro. Just like our intro. <laughs> exactly. And I just, I love, I mean, our, our, my whole mission here is normalizing these conversations, right? It's like, hopefully yeah. the more that we have them, the less like squirmy people get, you know, the yeah. next time it's talked about and not even for them, but just giving them the language and giving them additional perspective so that the next time someone in their life maybe shares something with them, they are in a different energy to, mm-hmm. to ask questions and be curious and explore and like dial down the judgment by way and dial right. up the, you know, curiosity by yay. So yeah, I just, yeah. um, I'm really excited to talk about today's topic. <laughs> with you guys. Um, so I'm going to have you share a little bit first about 
yourselves, like who you are, what you're currently doing in the world, because both of you are doing incredible things. And I would love them to, to know a little about that. And then we're going to jump right in. So cool. Cool. <laughs> I go first. You go first. Now you go first. Uh, Jonathan, <laughs> you want to go first? Oh, <laughs> uh, I guess I hate, I honestly hate talking about myself. Oh. <laughs> You're such a beautiful self, though. I am. <laughs> I am a. I am a father of two beautiful girls. Mm-hmm. I am partner to this beautiful woman <laughs> for many years. I won't even say how many years because every time I mention it on our podcast, she's like, "You really just like bringing that up, don't you?" <laughs> Eighteen. <clears throat> so damn. Um, I am. A, a creative mm-hmm. and now I am a co-host to a podcast which I actually never thought that we would start until people just kept kind of gave us a lot of gentle nudges in hearing our stories that we've shared on our Instagram account um, of what we've been through and uh, the beautiful thing about that is in sharing our stories oh look She's drinking wine. I did. I brought wine up in here. Yeah. I mean, if you want to take a break, if you want to take a quick five and go get some, I will wait for you. No, we're not going to. We're not going to do that. The wine gets all big eyed. Um, Yeah. And just in sharing um, our struggles and how we've healed um, through the work that we've done on ourselves and with each other, a lot of people have sent messages of uh, their own healing journey. Um, through hearing ours and uh, it's just been a beautiful thing and that since then it's kind of like start a podcast and we're like okay (laughs) and now we're kind of doing that and on top of that I'm a creative naturally I've uh, been in the wedding industry for 11 years now yeah it's been a long time yeah as a photographer um yeah and then you'll be doing some peer support and a little bit of coaching in a month or so. So yeah. that'll be fun. All right. Got new that's, stuff on the horizon. I think that's me. You think that's you. You just gotta give the people what they want, John. Like they're asking you for stuff and you just I'm gotta... a I'm like a pretty big fucking goofball. I'm like a, <laughs> so on so like some on like some of my dating app profiles. <laughs> What's your like? What's your line? Like, what's what? What I'm differentiates? Like, I'm, like, I'm like a good mixture of like the Fab Five and oh, yeah. Ian, Ian Peel and Dave Chappelle put together. In oh one. wow, that's a that's that a is, deadly combo. That is robust. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Kind of like the the raw and grittiness of like Dave Chappelle with the humor of Dave Chappelle and Kian Peel, but then also the emotional intelligence of the and the fashion style. The fashion sense oh, of the Fab Five. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Okay, I'd swipe I'd on swipe that. I'd swipe on that. Okay, Dynamo. All right. So that's me. I'm feeling good about this. I, I think everybody else probably is too. I'm, They're I'm like, gonna, yo, yo, yo can I get you a number? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, can we, can we talk about that? <laughs> oh, I do feel like it's really important to say, Jonathan, um, you are only the second man who has been allowed like into this space. So Whoa. that's a big deal. My husband is the only guy who has been on the show so far. So thank you for thank you. breaking in the, uh, the, the man seat. That's Ooh, wonderful. I am, I'm honored. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I've always been surrounded by women my entire so life. So he's used to it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, 
my three older sisters, and then now like my mom, and then my mom, and then Joanne, and the two and girls. The daughters. Oh man, it's and even I- our dog is a. <laughs> Yeah. I think that's how my, I think that's how Mike feels. He has, well, he has me and I'm not like a, I'm not exactly a, a laid back, like, you know, woman. I'm not kind of like, I'm not as chill as I would like to be. I'm that person mm. who would be like, I'm totally a go with the flow girl. And it's just not true. Like I, yeah. I want to be, I want that's to it. be go with the flow, but I can't, I can't be that. Yeah. Um, I'm like, okay, I'm going to like, these are all the things I'm going to do to appear like I can go with the flow. Okay. But then like, these are the only things that can like possibly go wrong because if anything else goes wrong, I'm going to lose my shit. Okay, cool. Yeah. Everybody yeah. good. Yeah. Good. We're yeah. Good. <laughs> um, yeah. So he has, he has me. He now has um, James, our little firecracker of a daughter, mm-hmm. which surprise. I mean, we knew that was going to happen. Like there was no way <laughs> that I was going to give birth to like a passive aggressive child. Like that wasn't yeah. happen. She's very yeah. in your face. And then we have our little beagle Ava. And so Mike just walks around the house. Like no, I get no respect around here. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait till everybody is like on their menstrual cycles. Yep. We're oh, like synced up and it's going to be so fun. Okay. So we've so far had the um, Jonathan show and now we're going to introduce <laughs> his his smoke show counterpart, Joe. <laughs> yeah. I am a relationship and life coach. I help women create pleasure and play in their relationships. Um, and I help them really just get in tune with the deep, hard inner work. Uh, I also have my blog called Go Fit Show, where I share my own wellness journey, but that's a little bit on the pivot as well. Um, and, you know, mom of two, I, one of them happens to be a teenager, so that's a humongous like thing. Uh, our girls are 16 and 10. I'm partnered up with John over here, this uh, dynamic individual of a <laughs> bio <laughs> on his dating profile. And um, I'm a host to Hello Mary Podcast. Yes, which is my favorite new podcast. It will be linked in the show. You guys will all be listening to it long before this episode comes out because I have screenshots that I've just been like waiting to remember to share on my Instagram (laughs) 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 when I do my weekly roundup. Uh, And actually, Joe, I connected with you first, um, not even officially connected. I've been following you for, gosh, like I don't even know how long, like a while, at least over a year, maybe two on Instagram Um, because basically I someone tagged me in a post of yours a long time ago because I was talking about sex, no surprise. And Mm. you had put out, it was like right when you started really like drilling down into like female pleasure, talking about shame, talking about all that stuff. And they were like, this girl is also talking about this. And I was like, amazing. (laughs) And she's gorgeous and wears kimonos and does fun stuff and like her underwear. And like, I'm all about it all the time. Um, So your account has been like major inspo vibes for like a long time. Thank you. And then as you started sharing about your relationship with John, I was like, okay, this is awesome. She's like got, you know, bringing in more elements and then Hello Podcast popped out and I was like, oh my God, there's so many things like we, <laughs> we have to talk. Yes. And then I don't know what cosmic like breeze brought you to Nothing Confidential, um, my little page that you liked. And I was like, oh, they know who I am or, or kind of. And I <laughs> well, sent, you, yeah. <laughs> sent you a message and I was like, oh my God, something about having a child also makes you desperate for connection. Yes. So you don't think about like what, what you look like anymore. You're just like, hey, do you want to be my friend? Right. And you're like, oh my God, somebody wants to be my friend. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God, can we be friends in real life? And that's, yeah, that's kind of how I came to your work. But like, it has been a beautiful, wonderful adventure the entire time. And just the way that it continues to evolve, just it it continually inspires me and um, feeds my soul. And just Mm. like, it also really 
makes me uncomfortable in the best way possible. Like you keep leveling up your vulnerability and your authenticity as you're finding out who your most authentic self is like day to day and week to week. And the way that you share that, there's just so much integrity in it. And I just love it. And I want to honor that about you and also about you, John, since you popped on like everything that you guys have been doing together. That's Mm. very much in line with that. Thank you. Oh, thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, man. I was actually just writing a post on inner work because I'm about to slowly open up one-on-one coaching again. Mm. And I was like, you know, the inner work isn't the Instagram worthy bullshit. The inner work is like an inner war zone inside. (laughs) It is not pretty. And it does not look great in silky underwear. No, (laughs) it's more like sweaty and naked, like on the floor and like right. You're like crying around all your shadows. Yeah, you're like all of your roles are like hugging your shadow, and you're like, "Ah." (laughs) you're like, just bring more towels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Change of clothes, please. Well, my listeners are, are pretty, uh, they're pretty quick. So as they're listening, I introduced you guys as a couple, you both have mentioned being partnered with each other. They are married. They've been together 18 years. And then John also like casually dropped having a dating profile. So like, (laughs) do you guys want to go ahead and just share with us like why that's okay? (laughs) Yeah, we, um, we decided to explore ethical non-monogamy 18, almost about uh, 18 months ago, about a year and a half ago. Oh, 2018. Yeah. And um, it has been a bumpy and also fruitful ride for our relationship in ways that we both never anticipated for it to actually evolve into and just show us the things within ourselves that we need to work on. Mm. That's incredible. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I had this whole idea as, as I sometimes do when I come on to, you know, I want to make sure that I'm organized about stuff. So I like wrote out kind of like yeah. the, the way that I wanted to do the conversation, but then I think I'm just going to do what I always do. And as you say things, I'm just going <laughs> to ask you questions yeah. totally. <laughs> in the order that they come up for me. So yeah. I feel like for a lot of listeners, they're going to be curious about, because up until maybe a year ago, I don't think that I even really knew the difference between um, polyamory, like just mm-hmm. the ba- basic polyamory and ethical non-monogamy. Yeah. Could you yeah. share what that difference is? Yeah. So ethical non-monogamy is basically the umbrella where polyamory would probably sit. And ethical non-monogamy basically states that it's ethical non-monogamous relationships. So you have uh, the ability to explore other relationships in an ethical fashion, typically it's consensual, meaning that everybody is aware of what's going on. Everybody understands the relationship structure that is outside of the main relationship that you have. So John and I, like this is our main relationship. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, our other relationships outside of us are the other forms of relationships that we have. Beautiful. And ethical part is just that everybody, everybody's aware. Everybody yeah. knows. Nobody's hurting each other because everybody is consenting to be a part of that no one's doing anything behind anyone's back. Exactly. Right. So basically, there can there can be cheating in yes. in polyamorous relationships. That's, oh, I think oh, that's oh, the big sure. not ethical part. Is we are even though you are engaged in maybe more than one sexual and romantic intimate relationship. Everyone that is involved knows what's going on. Everyone has consented to it. Everyone has shown up for the work and the extra communication that goes into something like that. And yeah, so, because I think that's a huge, um, super ignorant misconception is that 
I mean, something that I have heard, I've literally heard people say, they're like, oh, well, poly people just want to fuck whoever they want, like all the time. Like that's what it's about. And I was just like, oh my God, like, whoa. So can we speak to that? Like right now, right off the bat, like that is not what poly is about. (laughs) That is like, yeah, I want you to share like what your individual, um, reasons yeah. Yeah, yeah reasons are for for seeking this out i mean so ethical non-monogamy when we first kind of explored the idea or when i first came to john and said you know i don't he, he basically asked me what is one truth that you haven't told me in the 16 years 17 years we've been together and i was like oh here's here's here here's comes that <laughs> yeah. here it comes and, i'm yeah, share exactly. something <laughs> i was like oh fuck uh well i I don't know if I actually believe in monogamy and like that just like rolled out of my mouth in a very scary fashion. But also it's like, if you're going to ask me for some truth, I'm going to tell you some truth. And I, I did ask a question. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> He's like, so whatever happened after that, like that's on me. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, when we first started talking about what kind of, you know, non-monogamy we would maybe potentially explore. And you know, I told them, like, I'm not really looking to just have one night stands or have those types of connections where I'm just like blatantly having sex with random people. That's that's something that, you know, even in ethical non-monogamous relationships, people do find themselves with just sexual partners. And for me, I wanted to really grow in relationship with myself through connections of other people. Mm-hmm. And what that could look like, I'm not sure. Like I just wanted to keep that open and evolving and John was actually the one who discovered the terminology polyamorous mm-hmm. and polyamory and I was like this I was the one that actually started doing more research he did more research than I did actually <laughs> than she did yeah He's like how do I make this thing that she's talking about conceptually make sense to me like it's got to be called something what is the container like what are we going to yeah. put it in mm-hmm. yeah, yeah so he found polyamory and polyamory basically means um more than one intimate a deep connected relationship going on simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And so the differences I think with polyamory and non-monogamy, again, like I said, like non-monog- ethical non-monogamy is in its like larger umbrella. And then you have other different forms underneath. Right. Right. Cause I, I do know definitely some couples who it's not even an ongoing, it's more, they have the understanding that they are the primary couple and with each, they check in with each other, like almost per encounter. It's not something yeah. that is practiced regularly, but they will go to each other and be like, Hey, like I am attracted to this person. I would like to act exactly. on it. Is that okay with you? Like that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So with John being on dating apps, that's like what, <laughs> what's going on for him. <laughs> But, but I'm like, totally open to like, like pro. I'm totally open to like building a romantic <clears throat> yeah, relationship. Yeah, if it happens. You know, if that yeah, happens. Yeah. But I'm not like, for me, I'm not actively like going out and looking to just be a fuck boy. Yeah. <laughs> you you know? hear that, ladies? John is not a fuck boy. <laughs> like, I. I value myself. <laughs> you have self esteem and you've done a lot of inner work. <laughs> so. So Joe, yeah. Like yeah. You, you mentioned earlier, like the misconceptions mm-hmm. and like the ignorant misunderstandings. Yeah. I think a lot of that is that like, it's an escapism. Some people say like, oh, it's an escape to not do the inner work in the actual relationship. Oh and God, I've had to do so much inner work. Yeah. And I've actually learned so much about myself in like truly finding that self-worth through opening up our relationship and like the ways in which I've been, in the ways in which I've learned how to be vulnerable with myself has helped me be vulnerable with Joanne. And uh, in, in, and in that, the way I'm vulnerable with my 
kids and actually let them in on what I'm feeling and what my true emotions are have really strengthened this bond that we share together um, in a way that I've never felt before. Yeah. Yeah. There are some like deep explorations, I think. And I think like that's like the biggest like misconception. So many people are like, oh, poly people. Yes, it's an excuse to go have multiple relationships because they don't want to tend to the main one. And the reality is it's like how the things that I have learned about myself and how I show up in my relationship with Chris, I bring that into the way in which I relate to John. Mm-hmm. Like there's a different version of me that I am witnessing simultaneously in my outside relationships. And I question myself, I ask myself, how can I actually bring that into my main relationship? And like, why is she, up? yeah. Why is she not coming to the, to the other to relationship? And yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm faced with my own shadows. So just like, wait, if I'm actually acting in a way that may be slower or um, more patient and loving with the other one, how can I bring some of those elements into there? into Mm. the one with me and John or you know there have been times with my relationship with Chris like the way in which the ways in which like I'm able to talk to Chris about the the struggles that me and John are going through and it's almost like a sounding board and so he's Mm -hmm. like oh well you know from what we know about John like here's some things that you can try here's how you could try to approach yourself differently in that relationship and I'm like damn my relationship with you is like coaching my relationship with him which is mind-blowing. It's like so, recycling, you know, you know, it's yeah. like very clean and green. And yeah, it sounds like your other relationship is very much supportive of and to very yes. nourishing for your primary relationship yes. as well. Yeah. So with polyamory, that is like, we are experiencing a polyamorous relationship where each of the relationships are really truly in support of one another. Um, that is the way that, like, I like to define it. And the way I mean, that that's I like how, it I mean, that's the structure of ours. That's the structure Obviously, of ours. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody's, everybody's, like, is, form of ethical nominee different. is different. Even people's form of monogamy is different. So, Super you true. know. Super true. <laughs> it's, however, which way you want to really kind of design that relationship yeah. to work for you. Yeah. I feel like, so a couple of things I've definitely heard from people that I either know directly or like I, I have another podcast that I listen to, um, the sexually liberated woman, which is mm-hmm. a great a shout one. out to Yvonne. She's okay. awesome. So she and her husband, uh, have d- tried several different things over the years. They've been together for like 14 years, I think, or something. Yeah. And they, you know, opened up the relationship and then now they're experimenting with living together apart and some yeah. different kind of things. But her husband said, I think his name is also Jonathan, said something really interesting the other day that I wanted to bring to this conversation. And he was saying that one of the hardest things for him when when she wanted to live together apart, not even like he was the one who wanted to open their marriage like months Mm -hmm. before. And then whenever she wanted to move to California and like really pursue that version of herself and really nourish herself and not be so coupled at, at that moment. Yeah. He said that the hardest thing for him to accept was that the reasons she gave him for needing the space were actually true and that it wasn't about a problem with him or with the relationship or that she needed things outside of him that he couldn't, you know, it was like very much around worthiness stuff that came up for him. And I wanted to know if you guys had experienced that since opening your marriage. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely moments where we are realizing that, um, not only are we faced with like the shadows of like, wait, are we unworthy of love in vice versa or in, you know, there are times where I know, for myself, like, I'm like, oh, like, why, why am I not treated a certain way? Or um, why am I treated one way in this relationship? And I'm not treated in, in 
that relationship. And, you know, part of that, I have to like ask myself, like, well, is it really about me or is it really about what the other person's offering? And also like in terms of that feeling of realizing it's about the other person's needs, like that is like a humongous reality. Like it's not about, it's not about what I lack in that worthiness. It's really about what they're seeking for themselves and the experience that they're seeking. I'm going to seek moving to Hawaii. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny because on, on that podcast, I recently saw that she is, um, they are like living together separately and this might be a conversation that we actually talk about in two years because he wants to move to Hawaii and I don't have a desire to do that. I want to travel the world. And so, and I don't have a desire to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we're going to, we're going to potentially explore that road um, and think about that. But yeah, it's, it's what we're recognizing what I'm learning and, and babe, you can like kind of mm -hmm. chime in here, but yeah. I think what we're really recognizing in, in our exploration of this is like, being true and honest with our with, needs with what we need and what our desires are and, and what, what our desires want. are you know one thing i learned about myself and like opening up the relationship and just going down into the journey of ethical non-monogamy polyamory is that i can have my own dreams independent of joanne like that she, and and prior to that all of the dreams that i had revolved around doing things with joanne like if I wanted to go travel somewhere, oh, I couldn't do it without Joanne because we are a married couple. Um, I mean, this idea of like me moving to Hawaii, I mean, I don't think I would have like fully been able to like lean into that. I, I, I don't think I would have ever probably expressed a desire to do something like that. Kind you know? Fear of getting shut down probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I can, I mean, I can share just from my own, you know, pretty traditionally structured marriage with my husband, Mike, I think it's because I'm such an independent soul and, you know, we've, we've had a lot of conversations and we have a lot of things that are on the table where it's like, we haven't necessarily felt the need to act on any yet, but they've been brought up and they've been discussed and it's been like, Hey, like in a couple of years, if like, this is how we feel what are we thinking? Like, what do we, what would this look like? Or would you be open to that? Or what, is that going to freak you out? You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, at least right now, it's very much kind of like what you're saying, John, it's not that I think for us, it's not that we can't do things without each other, but it's more like, okay, like we are, we are a package deal. So if you want to do something, that means some, we have to take turns, like giving up something. So if I'm like, Hey, it really matters to me to live in New York for like a year and he hates New York. It's like, well, he's going to have to live in New York for a year. And then at some point it's going to be his turn. And he's going to be like, Hey, I know you don't love, you know, being in Chicago, but like, we're going to move there because blah, blah, blah. And we kind of like take turns, you know, it's like somebody mm -hmm. makes a sacrifice so that somebody can have like what they want. And I think that, you know, that that's kind of what, I mean, it's sad. That's like an advanced version of what we've been taught. You know, yeah. a lot of people are kind of like, I have to give up my dream. Are we, we going to freeze? Go back. Uh, you froze a little bit, but freeze? I think it, it probably picked up on yours. So you okay. just have to see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was just saying that like a lot of people, I think they do really feel stuck where if their partner doesn't want something that they want, they feel like they, they can't even ask for it. It's kind of like yeah. if yeah. somebody says before they have a chance to share that, like, well, I have this like secret desire to like be on Broadway one day and like live here. And they've never said that out loud. And then the partner's like, oh, well, I could never live in a big city, right. you know, in passing. And then they're like, that dream is squashed, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, it makes me think of a marriage story. Did you watch that movie? We did. It was super fucking depressing. 
Mike and it I watched it and we're like crying. And Mike was like, I don't ever want that to be yeah. us. And yeah. I was like, I, like, I don't either. Like yeah. just the whole discussion of oh. like, oh, I, I moved here for you. I moved exactly. to New York for you. It was you. like tip for tap the whole I time. I put yeah. my career aside in, in Los yeah. Angeles for the family. And yeah. Then, yeah it it's just, that toxic keeping score that does not work yeah. if you want I mean, to we, have a long, happy relationship. Yeah, we talked about that too. We talk about something, like we like to call something the relationship scorecard. And, yeah. you know, it, it's it's interesting how so we, we even got trapped into that prior to this. It's like, oh, I do this and you do that. It's just like, wait, we need to hit the pause button because the scorecard keeping, the keeping score is not healthy for any relationship. It doesn't matter what it is, any relationship, you know? So, yeah. So Joe, I want to take it back just a little bit. I'm wondering, cause, cause your bit, your big reveal when John asked you if there was anything that you hadn't shared was that you yeah. don't believe in monogamy. How long had you been feeling that way? Like at what point in your personal like journey, did you realize that that was true about yourself, even though you hadn't told John that? I mean, I realized this um, when I was 18, 19, um, but I didn't have the language around it. And I knew this because of the ways in which I saw traditional relationships and conventional relationships. I just was like, oh, A, I know one partner will never be able to fulfill my needs. Uh, B, I am just the kind of person that loves to grow and evolve within my own self. And so could I have that with one partner? you know, was like the biggest question that I had. And um, when we got together, it was like shortly after, you know, being 20 years old or whatever, 19 years old, I was like, well, how do I even say this? Because- If she told me that she didn't believe in monogamy when we are first going out, I probably would have been out yeah. the door. Cause you would have been like, I want to marry this girl. And if she doesn't believe in that, like how does my whole life that I thought of to this point work out? Like, how does that yeah. happen? Right. Yeah. Right. And we don't hear about, I mean, 20 years ago, you don't, you weren't really hearing about any kind of no. non-monogamous relationship structures. And as a woman, you're constantly slut shamed anyways for yep. one for anything, sexuality or <laughs> yeah. be open about it, you know? Yeah. And I knew this going in when we first had the first week of the first week post that conversation, we were on in the car on the way to Yosemite. And I remember he was like, well, how come you didn't tell me like way back then? Like, how come you're just kind of truth bobbing this now? And it was obviously it was tumultuous to like know that truth. Yeah. I mean, yeah. here we have this relationship that we've had for 16, 17 years. Monogamy is all that we know. Wait, my wife says she doesn't believe in monogamy. This is like <clears> literally <throat> altering all forms of reality and identity. And when I told him this, I said, you would have slut shamed me. You probably would, you would have yeah. called me a whore you would have told me i'm a slut you would have said i don't want to be with you and you would have never got to experience yourself or myself in the relationship that we have if yeah. if i did it then yeah um so i've always known it i've always known it to be true i think it just is like it wasn't until um <clears throat> maybe around that time and i was like talking to our good friends mike and jerry and they are two beautiful amazing gay men that are some of our best friends and they casually were like yeah we've got an open marriage <laughs> and i was like oh okay like this is like one one couple that i know and granted like what sucks about you know this example what is it not necessarily that it sucks but the one caveat about this example is that because they're two gay men it's almost like you know yeah you, you can have that right yeah. like yeah like, they almost get a hall pass yeah. for being in a non-monogamous relationship. Well, because people have already like 
wrap their brain around something uncomfortable that they don't Um, necessarily relate to. They don't expect like a heteronormative looking couple who is actually married with children to like have this like spicy, untraditional layer, you know, about them. Like nobody expects that. And it's, it's so interesting that there's shame even like just within that, you know, yeah. exactly, exactly what you're saying. Like if it was gay men or lesbian women it's or totally you know, anything, different. it's totally fine. But the second you find out that like a, a man and a woman couple that, you know, who are married, like have an open marriage, it's kind of like, Oh, oh. the open marriage. Right. You know, yeah. like it gets real weird. Totally. Yeah. 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 So when they told us that they had an open relationship, it was like, I think it was like a, I remember for me when they said that I was like, Oh, and they've been married for six years. Okay. They've been open since like day one. Like I can actually talk to these people and see what their experience is like and still see if this is still something in the back of my mind mm-hmm. that I'm curious about wanting to explore, still believe in for myself, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that's when it slowly started to kind of come up within me of like, here it is bubbling up. And then I also remember seeing movies like, or TV series like Wonderlust or other, what was the other, there's another series that you showed me. Um, it was all about uh, other they relationships. They were just shorts. They were just shorts. Yeah, I forget yeah, what, what that was, but there was a couple other movies, right? So like, and, and in 2018, I was like, oh shit, like here's, here's a universe calling this deep part of me through movies and through <laughs> other forms of media and through other people that are telling me that they've got a non-monogamous relationship. And it was almost like a, it literally was almost like, a, oh shit, here it is. Here's the truth, kind of slowly unearthing itself from deep down within me. Yeah. You know? So. Well, it's interesting that you're saying that, you know, like, it, I mean, even it feels like for whatever reason, for me, before 2018, you know, I didn't, I couldn't say that I knew anybody that was, mm-hmm. you know, that was in an open relationship. And it was almost like I went from, so, I mean, I remember I was in LA on a work trip in 2018. And there was a guy who was like a member of the group and he was very openly hitting on me one night at dinner. I was married and he was married. And I remember going to like one of my friends who was like running it with me. And I was like, what is this guy's deal? Like what is Mm. happening with this guy? And he's like, oh, he's in an open marriage. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, that's cool. Like not interested, but that's Mm -hmm. cool, you know, but, but unfortunately like he was kind of a creepy guy and he was not going about it in a way that I felt was like, I don't, I don't know. I will not pretend to know what his arrangement with his primary partner was, but I know that if I had been his primary partner, I would not have been happy with how he was handling things. And I was just like, you know, and so I was like, I don't know anything about that, but he, it wasn't positive. I was like, that's not, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the other, like it goes back to the misconceptions of it, right? Like I think, like even, even for us, like, I mean, I'm so. I totally feel like I, I get lumped into that like group yeah, of guys, which just is, as like a man. Yeah. And that says, I'm in a non-monogamous polyamorous yeah. relationship that like I have this want or desire to creepily hit on any woman I want to. And that's well, isn't not that okay. horrible? Because they all probably assume that you're the one who wanted it because you're the man, because you have a higher sex drive, because you probably wanted, like, there's a whole line of like bullshit that happens, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. where lots of assumptions get made. And it she's was, the one with the she's high the sex one who drive. Wanted, oh, same. same. No, that's the same. <laughs> also, I, I talk was, about that I, all the time. When we were doing research, I actually found out that like in non-monogamous relationships, it's 60% is the one of, of women who are actually the ones asking for it. Yeah. 
That doesn't surprise so it, me. We're the multi-orgasmic ones yes, who exactly. are like, you know, it's like, I'm there's so, not just a like, ta-da, it's done. I'm so jealous. <laughs> He's like, always like, oh, I hate that you can have multiple orgasms. What the like, fuck? <laughs> I don't want to have multiple orgasms. <laughs> Well, you just need to get into Tantra and start like recycling that energy and like this orgasm without this ejaculation because okay. it is possible. It's it so is possible. amazing. Yep. It's possible. All right. I'll, I'll send you a book. Thank I've you. got, I've got a couple. <laughs> the Lotus and the Jewel or whatever is like got great illustrations. And I pulled actually, I, we laugh about this all the time. I pulled without doing any of the like work around it. I was just like, Ooh, I can do that. Like I pulled like a picture out of there and was like, we're doing this. And we now call that the finisher, like that move. When it is done, when I'm ready for the session to be over, I just initiate the finisher and it's like, <laughs> all done very quickly. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to need this book. We're going to need this book. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so I, I'm like, that was really funny. And now I have to get back on track. <laughs> I'm like, it was flowing really well. Um, but just talking about, again, like misconceptions, John, you get yeah. lumped into being the creepy guy who, you know, who wanted it. And really it was Joe who wanted it. That does bring me to a very important part of your story, which I feel is cool for me to ask about because you just like broadcasted it to the world on your own podcast. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. in your pursuit of in the very beginning of determining, you know, what the boundaries of this new formulation was going to look like. You guys are having all these hard conversations. You like pulled the rug out from under John by being like, Hey, I really, you know, don't believe in monogamy. And he was terrified, but open to talking about it. And then something happened something very important happened. You knew someone already, right, Joe? Yeah. You knew yeah. this person already. Could you take us into that part of the story a little bit? Because that definitely was like a big moment for the two of you. Yeah. Tell us, Joe. Tell us, Joe, <laughs> what happened? So um, I, as we were talking about it, I met with one of my, my old, my old coaching clients. His name is Chris because he uh, has been in a non-monogamous relationship or has been non-monogamous for like six, seven years. And I was like, okay, you know what? I want to also hear if I'm going to explore this with John, I need to know people's other people's stories. Like it's not enough for me to do like research on a clinical side. I need to know people's stories who actually have had experiences with it. And he's had different forms of it in terms of within his own marriage with his ex-girlfriend. And then just like on the dating side of just like talking about, yep, I'm non-monogamous, like, and what does it look like to relate with me being non-monogamous? Um, and so we met and I found myself in attraction to him uh, that night, which is like the oddest thing because in all of our other interactions, because he was my client, like never. Yeah. Never I was going to ask that. There had never been any never like been spark or anything. Nothing until yeah. that night. And, you know, I don't know if it was because, you know, I was thinking about non-monogamy. I don't know if it was because I saw him in a different light. I don't know if it's because we opened up a personal channel of communication, mm -hmm. whereas before it was definitely just all professional. And, um, in that exploration, as John and I were talking about non-monogamy, uh, and having those conversations, um, I ended up cheating on John with Chris, um, and, you know, stepped outside the lines of our, our, our marriage before, well, without really including him in that particular event or process. Um, and it was really shitty because it took a lot of like rebuilding for us of that trust. Um, and in that time, like in between those times, like John knew <laughs> I had an attraction for Chris. 
Um, but you know, it was, um, it was hard. It was really, really hard to kind of just, it was really shitty. Sorry. I'm like repeating it, but it was like, really okay. Shitty. No, it was, it was a really shitty, shitty yeah. moment. And I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, there is something about that moment that made me come alive in terms of just like, here's this opportunity to explore Namadabi. And I know that that's not really the best option to do this, but it was almost like a, it was almost like, yeah, just something in me came alive in that moment. And I was choosing myself in that moment. Yeah. It was like giving yourself permission to be all of you without in that moment without any consequences or any, you know, it was like a, this is me. And I'm like, I'm just going to show up as her right now. Like I've been wanting to for a while and now I'm going to, and we'll deal with the rest later. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, it's, it was selfish for sure. Like I'll admit to it, it was selfish. And, you know, I should have, I should have, I should have had more restraint to be able to talk through that process with John about it. Um, and Did you, do, were you just impatient? Like you guys were talking about it. You, felt like you so were so close and you were like, I'm just done with this. Like I'm sick of talking and I'm sick of, you know, you just wanted it. Yeah. We had been going back and forth for so, for, for a while. I mean, historically she's very impatient. I'm just impatient in general. <laughs> Even in like things. trying to like resolve that. conflict. Yeah. She just always wants to like fix things right away. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it was, and you know, even that night I like, I don't think I ever, I remember like coaching myself that night and I was like, you got this. There's no, you don't need to do anything. Like you're not an open relationship yet. Like you could just talk about it. You, you and Chris need to figure out what the fuck happened at that one dinner where you guys finally found a spark mm-hmm. and figure out what's going on there. And Don't you love that though? That's like all the single girls who think that like not shaving their legs is going to keep them from having sex. Like it's not going to happen. Right. You're still, you're still going to do it. You're just going to have fuzzy legs. So just fucking shave them and then work on your back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 So John, like, can you share just a little bit about, I mean, obviously besides that it was fucking shitty and it really sucks part, like, because some, you did something very surprising. Like I'm listening to you guys share the story, like in raw real time on your podcast. So you guys, I'm putting in the show notes that episode, so you will have to go and listen to that. But you did something rather surprising. You like, instead of, I don't know, there was like a lot of things you could have done, like in response to the situation, especially since you were already kind of uncomfortable and you're like, dude, I'm like, I put everything out here. I'm trying to like, give you what you want. I'm trying to understand mm-hmm. you. I'm trying to talk to you and you can't even fucking wait on me to like, get there. You just like went ahead and did the thing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I personally would have felt a lot of rage about that, you know, but I can also imagine myself being the one who did that. So like oh, I did both rage. sides here, a hundred percent. Oh, I but, was. Yeah. Angry. You were like fucking angry. So, but oh, like yeah. take me through your process from like finding out initial reaction to like writing this guy a letter and being like, all right, here's the deal. Finding out. Well, I, in finding out, I went in the traditional like masculine route of just really raging and pushing Joanne away and um, calling her names. Um, but at the same time, I was really torn in between like love and, and anger. And I was torn because, because like I was the one who, who started doing research on polyamory and ethical ethical non-monogamy. If this is what, um, if this is what resonated inside of Joanne and I think about the commitment that I made to her, not on our wedding date, but the commitment that I made to her when we first got together as being boyfriend and girlfriend, I, I wanted to support her and 
who she was and I wanted to support her growth because even before we got together as boyfriend and girlfriend, she, she asked me, are you sure you want to be with me? Like, and this is before I knew anything about her history. I didn't know anything about her traumas that she had been carrying. Um, and I said, yes, like if there's going to be anyone that I want a life partnership with for the rest of my life, it's going to be you. And, uh, yeah, it's finding out it, it hurt me. It crushed me because in doing my research, the, like the foundation of polyamory and ethical non-monogamy was like open and honest communication. We were like, this is unethical. <laughs> Why and yeah. It, yeah. And it, I, yeah, it was, it, I wasn't considered and I, I was, I was betrayed, you know, she, she did move fast. She, uh, I wasn't considered in that moment, but at the same time, you know, monogamous relationships are not open relationships. People make mistakes and uh, I could uh, either push her out of my life, like after that moment, or we could try building something new together. And uh, in it was interesting because from when that happened to when I actually met Chris was in seven days. Mm, wow. From So I went from rage to like forgiveness to meeting the man that Joanne was developing feelings for within seven days. And, you know, I mean... It's not in my character to be malicious or wish death on anyone. I wasn't gonna like show up and like show up with like a. You're not gonna cap his ass. A, a, a baseball <laughs> bat, a baseball bat with like nails in it. Yeah. No, I wasn't gonna do that. I I wanted to get to know him because I mean, if this is if this was gonna work for me, I had expressed to Joanne and to him. I, I mean, I sent him an email that like I need to know who he is. I need to know that like I'm being considered, that my relationship is being considered, that my family is being considered. And uh, yeah, I, we ended up meeting at a bar with Joanne. It was probably like the most uncomfortable situation for her to be in. I imagine, yeah. <laughs> um, and funny enough, like, I mean, we, we got along. They got yeah. they get along so well. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, so ridiculous. So let's dive into that a little bit because you guys mm-hmm. have you've got two girls as you shared at the beginning. One of them who's a teenager. She's like going through all her own stuff. Like, how has maybe how did those early conversations about like our family is changing, our family unit, the way that we do life together is changing? Like, how did you have that conversation with them, and what has integrating your partner, Chris, into your family looked like? So yeah. that conversation only happened last, last December. December. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we had already been in this um, non-monogamous relationship for about a, a year, year and like, a couple months. A couple months. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, part of it was he waited, he wanted to wait for some time because he wanted to know that things were actually going to persist, you yeah, know, yeah. like that, that it was, that it was like a, a real thing, yeah. Yeah. a real thing. Yeah. And then that we were, we, that we all, the three of us were stable in it, you know? And also just want to like point out that John and Chris don't have a sexual or romantic component in their relationship. Everyone asks. Everyone that. asks oh, that. Okay. So they're like, you know, "Is like, this go all the way around?" And you're like, yeah, "No." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I, I always tell people there will be no crossing of swords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, so, "No, it's a TP. Everything stops with Joanne." <laughs> <laughs> and they have a beautiful, they have a beautiful friendship. Um, but you know, it, yeah, they just wanted to put that out there. But integrating, Thank integrating, you. yeah, Thank I just want to make sure put that out so there. So funny, I literally <laughs> wouldn't have thought of that. I'm sure a lot of people do. A that lot makes, of people that do. That makes sense, would and not think, have thought of that. Yeah, that's the other part. That's probably why a lot of people explore ethical non-monogamy is because somebody finds themselves to be bisexual. Yeah. Right, yeah. down the line. So, mm-hmm. or wanting to explore other, the opposite, the, yeah, the same Yeah, definitely, sex. definitely. So anyways, and in terms of opening it up and letting our girls know, um, John led that conversation and you know a lot of it was like we had to you know we let the girls know like this isn't changing the way in which your dad and I relate to you like we are still your mom and dad Chris is kind of like the the cool uncle that kind of comes in here and there once in a while into your lives like he's not cohabitating here nobody's moving into our house stays the same our house stays the same you know, and I mean, they've known, they knew Chris for, since December of 2018, mm-hmm. when John invited Chris over the day after Christmas, which was surprising to me, because I was like, well, you're moving kind of fast and in integrating him with like our, well, she like, well, we ripped off everything. Let's just go. <laughs> Joanne was like, I was like, oh, who's Chris spending Christmas with? And she's like, nobody, he doesn't have anyone here. Yeah. So and then I he was like, like just. And- John's right. like, fuck me for being such a good human. He should yeah, be like, with people. I know. <laughs> so he did. And I remember that. I would look at Chris when he was like walking into my house. I was like, this wasn't supposed to happen for like another three to five years. Should yeah. this whole non-monogamous situation and polyamorous relationship continue to stabilize yeah. itself? I didn't imagine for that to be something that they would know about. I honestly didn't think we would tell the girls until Iris was out of high school. Yeah. I, feels kind of like going on a first date on Valentine's Day. You're just like, yeah, whoa, right? whoa. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when we told the girls, like our our girls, especially, you know, um, growing up here in, in the Bay Area, like they've been able to witness different sexualities and some of their friends happen to be, you know, queer and gay. And so this wasn't a full-blown like I, surprise. I think, yeah. I think what made it, easy for the girls is that, I mean, it had already been like a year and two months since, you know, Joanne was started seeing Chris and like found herself in a relationship with him. So just like for your listeners that are out there, just know that in that entire year and like couple months, we had to do a lot of work on ourselves Mm -hmm. for our relationship. And uh, the ways in which we've grown and like I was mentioning earlier and how we talk to our girls, um, it just really allowed our girls to know how to just like listen mm-hmm. and, hold space. and hold space and just be open. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, I think if I, if I didn't have this connection with, with Iris, I, I think the conversation would have gone much differently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we definitely created a foundation within our kids of self-acceptance and acceptance of others. 
And so when it came to that conversation, it was, you know, it was, it was easier. It, they, they were able to digest it in a way that was like, Oh, well I accept you guys anyways. Yeah. And then in terms of just like, yeah, like I mentioned the family structure, the family structure doesn't change. Like he comes around, you know, here or there every other like Sunday and mm -hmm. I go hang out with him. It was, it was every Sunday. But then not anymore because Westworld is over. Yeah, because Westworld's over. So <laughs> we're done with that one. But we'll, we'll be figuring out some other time to like figure out what our little structure looks like when he hangs out with us. Mm. Yeah. But our girls are just, they're so loving and yeah. they're so accepting. And I think this is, it's just how Joanne and I have modeled for them how we connect with individuals. I mean, two of my best friends are queer and, uh, you know, I love them with. I have so much love for them and I've learned so much from them about what it means to, to love themselves. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the way the girls see us show up in that relationship and just accept them for who they are. Um, just, just shows like how awesome they've become. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some, I'm just interested, what are some things you guys have had to be really mindful of or have had to implement as far as like tools, you know, f to protect the integrity of your like primary relationship, like your coupleship in, in the whole process? We've had to, so like on the, on the more, yeah, on the logic, like we've scheduled out more intentional. That's very together. important. Is actually scheduling out intentional time. Yeah, yeah, and I think too, like recognizing, recognizing the inventory of our relationship. Like, what do we have here? You know, oftentimes I think in non-monogamous relationships and polyamory, um, especially as probably more so in polyamory because those those relationships are deeply intimate. Um, there's there's often comparison of like, mm -hmm. well, how are you like that with that person? Or I want that per I want that version of you also in this relationship. Or you get to spend X Y Z time with them, and you know you kind of have to like do. We have we have a doc actually, like a Google doc of like the inventory of our life, so that we know what we've actually built in our relationship. Which we should update. We should update that, by the way. Um, but you know that uh, that helps for us to like keep the sacredness of this primary relationship. Like me and Chris, we will never, I will never want to have enter another partnership and have kids with another partner. I don't want to cohabitate with another partner. I don't see myself cohabitating with anyone else but John, you know? Um, I don't want to have, yeah, I don't want to have someone else's kids. I don't know if I want to share, I don't want to share someone else's bank account. Like those other things, like, yeah, they're logical things, but these are the elements that are in my primary relationship. And those are the things that I'm going to protect in this primary relationship. Mm -hmm. And then just like the way in which we, you know, we have projects that John and I work on together, like our podcast, Hello Married. And then obviously our kids and our life that we're building is a big, it's big ass project in itself too. Oh my so, gosh, there's so much. <laughs> that's like one way <laughs> that so we try to keep our relationship sacred. And then, you know, like, when it comes to needing just time really to foster our connection relationship, there are times where I've told Chris like, Hey, I'm going to be spending two weeks to focus on my relationship with John, like minimal contact by you if that's okay. And you know, what is it that you need to resource our connection or our relationship so that you know that that's also not falling apart because of something here. I love I love that you call it resource. You shared a little bit about that in your last episode of your podcast. Would you guys 
like cover that really quick for our listeners, like why yeah. you refer to it that way? Because I loved what you said about that. Do you want to start on that one? You can start. Okay. <laughs> so with resourcing, I think for the both of us, the reason why we started renaming and redefining resources, because the idea of self-care and self-love has just been, I mean, it is like stretched and grown. It's, it's like when people say, oh, I love this. Like, I love you for being so authentic. It's like, what the fuck does it mean anymore? Yeah. Being yeah. authentic. <laughs> so it's like, what the fuck does self-care mean anymore these days? And so when we think about resources, we think about, like resourcing ourselves to become the best version that we can in that day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like the resources is partially your self-care list of like mm -hmm. working out, movement, meditating, journaling. But the other part of those resources to help you become your best version is talk therapy, Community. relationships with other people, friendships, mm -hmm. uh, hanging out with your child, like all these other things. And I like using that because then we can look at each other and go, did you resource yourself today? Are you well resourced? I mean, even eating. I mean, that's just the it basic resource. Yeah. Hanger is a real thing, y'all. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it is. And I, mean, I think it's like yeah. that's something to like recognize it you know, in any relationship, in any relationship, even relationship before going itself. into a conversation, like if you were trying to have a hard conversation, she'll ask me, have you resourced yourself? Yeah. Like, did yeah. you eat? Yeah. Like, uh, well, no. that it's leads like perfectly into your, I want you to finish what you're saying, Joe, but that leads perfectly into you guys have a, a structure for having hard conversations. One of the questions you ask is, are you resourced? But then mm -hmm. if you guys want to share on the other questions, I think those are all super powerful for any relationship too. Yeah. Yeah. So what I was going to say about like the, the resourcing part, it's like, you're never going to go to upset to somebody and go, are you self-cared today? Yeah. It's like, are you resourced? It sounds yeah. far freaking better. And then you can go down your list of like, what does it look like to get my needs resourced for today? Because when your needs are met, when you can meet your needs, then you can feel resourced or fucking anything, right? So well, and talking about resources, it, I feel like it's so much more empowering because resources refers to something you already have that you can go and like pull from. Mm -hmm. Whereas self-care, I think when people are like, I just really need some self-care. So like I'm gonna uh go out and get my nails done or like get fucking cake or like you know, it's yeah. it's very yeah. much like something people are like going out to do where it starts to feel like a chore and that's why it's not getting done. Whereas resources right. like in your wheelhouse already and you're like okay, what can I pull from here mm -hmm. to like get myself up and running and make sure that I'm like being my best self with yeah. or without fucking cake? Yeah. How can I do yeah. that? Yeah. Cause I mean, resource <laughs> is all about needs, right? Like yeah. that's all about needs. And I think, I think it just goes back to this idea of like, you know, as humans, we are needy as fuck. Like we have needs and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And so how do you actually get your needs met? Oh, by your resources. Right. Okay. What are those resources? Oh, I have things that I need to do. Right. So Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So what are the other, so when you're having really hard conversations, like one of your points was, are you resourced? Like, have yeah. you eaten? Are have you slept? Those were like the two yes. big ones for Jonathan. Cause apparently mm -hmm. you're a little bitch when you haven't slept and you have their <laughs> words, not I mine. Am. <laughs> I am. I, am. I turn to a real little bitch when I'm not resourced. Total bitch. It's amazing. What are some of the other tools? What are some of the biggest ones? <laughs> well, breathwork, we think breathwork is like super important. Mm -hmm. And so if you can come into a hard conversation, at least check yourself before you wreck yourself and do a quick little breathwork and calm everything down, like calm down that, that, that your nervous system, then you can at least enter it in a much better fashion. Yeah. Um, the other ones were to make sure, 
like hold on we should pull that up yeah, really quick so yeah. i can have that um, i love those i was like we need to make a pdf and just like send it to everybody <laughs> yeah i i actually have one so, so i can send it to you you have I it on your that. thing this is here we go let's look let's look sevens oh look at that it's did all you find here. it already yeah i did oh. um so yeah Consent, consent is, also is big. So important. Consent back to that dynamic where one person's like really impatient and one person like needs time and space. Yeah. 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 Consent. Mm-hmm. Consent. Because, you know, not everybody is going to be willing and ready to like have that conversation. And I think what often happens in relation when you're in relationship with another person is that there is this slight entitlement where you believe that for whatever reason, they are supposed to have this conversation with me right now because we're in a relationship with each other. Mm, Yeah. And consent in any way, (laughs) shape or form is just a form of showing each other respect. So that's what I have here. The other one is, um, setting, set, setting and set, setting an intention. This one I kind of pulled from the ideas of like psychotherapy because they Mm -hmm. talk a lot about in order to have like a good trip in psychedelic therapy you want to think about your set setting and intention like what is the intention of this hard conversation is it to be seen or to be heard or is it to be resolved at the end of the conversation Mm -hmm. and then setting john john you really want like a physical space to be clear and clean as part of i mean that's super important i mean if your house is cluttered and everything like you know i mean everything's a a mess around you. I mean, obviously I think that like your personal space is like a reflection of how you are inside, mm-hmm. you know? And it, like for me personally, my own experience, if my place and our house looks like shit to try to have a conversation and just have everything just look like Hell. the house exploded. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be able to have something like that. Well, and then you nitpick also then up like the shit in the house, mm-hmm. right? It like and reminds so, you, it like brings up things that are not really valid to the conversation, not, yeah, but you're like, that not, laundry has been there for three weeks totally. and somehow that matters right now. Yeah. Totally. And yeah. then the, the set is really important too, because the way that we like to view that is like, what is the emotional and mental capacity of the two individuals that are, are that are having this conversation? Mm-hmm are they able to actually have this conversation? Are they at a mental capacity to have it? And yes, it goes back to resourcing yourself and consent, but like when you're in that moment, is that set actually right? Are the two people right before they can have this conversation? Um, and I then- also think probably the, the other biggest thing on this list that we have is committing to doing better next time. Yeah, that's yeah. probably the biggest one is just the commitment of, and that goes to like the art of like apologizing properly. If there needs to be an apology in that conversation, it's like you need to have the the resolution and also the commitment of like, you know what? I see you. I hear you. I saw, I saw your emotional state for this. I see how this impacted you. We're going to commit to do better next time. Mm. And that's like super important. Yeah. yeah. And then like the other mm. parts of it is just like, you know, being on the same team, I think especially right now during coronavirus, there's a, I, I, a lot of relationships are, are currently under a lot of pressure mm-hmm. because they're getting, they're, they're faced with all their shit. Mm-hmm. They can't go anywhere. They're not escaping. So we're trapped. Yeah. We're trapped in your stuff. shit. You're sheltered, <laughs> you're sheltered in relationship and sheltered in yeah. love right now. Yeah. And it's tough. And so um, understanding that you're on the same team mm-hmm. and that you guys are trying to like work through this together and there's a yeah. common goal is really, really it's the us against the problem instead of allowing the, the problem us. to cause division. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like I always like tell people that too. It's like, it's, it's not you versus me. It's us versus the situation, mm-hmm. whatever the situation or the problem is, it is us against that. 
Mm. And then I think it's just like finding common ground too. Yeah. Like an understanding that not all problems need to be resolved in that We're, moment. We should just link this because we'll totally this could be this. like a total another totally. episode. <laughs> this, and it, sh- it should be. It should be. You guys are welcome to come back um, anytime, Sweet. endless <laughs> amounts of time. So you'll just be like unofficial co-hosts and we'll just bring you awesome. back over and over and over. <laughs> great, great. We'll just, we'll have, we'll have a little mini series called Wine About It where you and I can just like have oh. some Oh, yes. like that oh my God. I love that. Yeah. yeah. That'd be incredible. Okay. Well, all right. So the, I mean, all of that was, it's so important. And several of those, I mean, had me feeling convicted. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> like the consent one is so important. And I am super sucky at that. I'm like, have you, have you found yourself guilty of that before? Oh, I'm like, here is the to, problem. And we're talking about it right now. now. And he's like putting down his bag from work. And the guy is just like, I'm being assaulted. And I'm like, this is yeah. happening. You know, the, yeah. yes. I was like, no, it is important to be like, are you prepared to have this yeah. conversation with me? Yeah. Um, I think that also just acknowledges the fact that having a conversation with me takes preparedness. So like yes. really just giving him, it's, it's setting us both up for success because I yeah. can clearly see, um, and it's always a week later, right? It's like a week later and you're like, I can see how me ambushing him like that did not contribute to the end result that I wanted. So right, mm-hmm. right, yeah, right. Super you know, important. it's, it's funny because I, I remember for John and I, as we were like working through this podcast, we're like, oh God, here we are having this like relationship podcast. And we're having so many messy conversations. We're getting into so many like conflicts and fights because of quarantine and projects and just being in a relationship with each other. It's just part of it. And I remember feeling like this imposter syndrome because I'm like, I'm a relationship coach and what the fuck? My relationship feels a little messy right now. And I was listening to Brene Brown's um, podcast episode with Harriet, I forget her last name, but they were talking about the steps of having- I can totally hear baby in the background. No, I was like, as long as y'all can't hear her, we're good. That's okay. It's cool. We're going to expire soon, but we're going to see if he can do it. Yeah. Okay. So like, yeah, she can do it. She's visited. She's visited on several episodes. So they're used to it. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry okay. about them. You guys are good. Okay. Yeah. So this podcast was about just like the art of apologizing and, and you know, fucking apologizing is hard. Apologizing is an art it's and it's a skill that needs to be learned, but it was beautiful to hear these two researchers and, you know, people who like treated and who have um, not treated, but who have worked with relationships for 20 plus years to say that, like, we don't have it down either. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I just like that's like one thing I just kind of want to add too is like the biggest question I think a lot of people ask us about, you know, okay, you guys are in a non-monogamous relationship. What does this mean for you guys? Like what what does that look like, you know, in the future? Mm-hmm. And the question I want to ask back is like, well, what does your monogamous look like monogamous relationship look like in the future? Because yeah. you don't have a guarantee just because you're married doesn't have a guarantee that you're gonna still be together in 10. And that what you're doing today is going to be working perfectly for you 10 years from now. Like we evolve all the time. Like I personally turn into a whole nother person every five years, really consistently. Like I change my favorite color. I change my favorite food. I change the way that I work out. Like I just flip all the things about every five years. So, you know, 10 years from now, like all this stuff is not going to be working anymore. So it's just being open and yielding to life and to evolution and to the process. Mm -hmm. And that's why, I mean, when people ask me about why I think like Mike and I work, even though, I mean, we're both strong personalities. We both like, we disagree on tons of stuff, you know, like fundamentally we're aligned. Like we have that foundation and, and respect is a huge thing. It's like, we 
very often, very often we're like, agree to disagree. Like that is one of the most powerful tools that we have because he's not wrong and I'm not wrong. And you don't have to make each other wrong to like come to a conclusion in your conversation. But I think that what has been to our, has worked in our favor is that we are deeply committed to evolving next to each other, whatever that looks like. And that's the biggest thing. It's not, we didn't commit to the 26 and 29 year old version of ourselves that we were like when we got married, like we didn't commit to that. We literally committed to growing and changing alongside each other, even when it's really hard, even when it's really messy, even when things take surprising twists and turns. And, you know, it has been a really beautiful experience. And I am so grateful for him, but I just, I couldn't be me though as fully as I am. And I couldn't do the work that I do if he wasn't him, if he wasn't like holding that space for me. Yeah. Yeah, That's the same for our dynamic too. It's like, we've grown so differently in so many different ways. And I don't think we could ever do the work that we need to do without holding space for each other. She's held, she's held a lot of space for me. Oh, yeah. In my shit. In like your, I'm your inner work, man. Like, even like, yesterday, <laughs> like I just like completely gone down a route of like self-shaming oh. and deprecating behavior, and like I'm so grateful that she can hold space for that. Yeah, watching you to do your inner work is tumultuous, and I fucking I... hate inner work Ooh. sometimes. <laughs> I mean, but, but I mean, you know, I don't know anybody who problem. loves it like while they're like brows deep, it, it, you know, no. like it's hard. And it's one of those things where you just like, don't you ever just like want to break? Like you, you, you like get through like one huge thing and you're kind of like, well, I should be good for a while. Like that was really big. Go me. And yeah, then like the, then next, the next back. day, yeah. The next day something's like knock, knock, knock. And you're like, what the fuck, man? Like I just, <laughs> I just yeah. got done. Like don't mm-hmm. I get like a vacation before the next thing rolls totally. in? Totally. But it's like, no, you've just proven that you're like ready to level up, bitch. So here you yep. go. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yep, it's that's, so that's, what we said. that's exactly. Thanks. I probably needed that right now. <laughs> I probably needed to hear that coming from your mouth. Because I haven't been listening to Joanne. No, no. I mean, sometimes you need someone else. Like that totally. that's another big thing in our relationship. Um, and it's hard when you are a coach or when you do coaching. Yep. Like we don't coach each other. Like that's nope. a part of our thing. It's like I can't like have you coaching me and then wanna fuck me. Like that doesn't it doesn't work. Yeah. Like, I don't want to fuck you when you're coaching me. I just don't, I don't want to fuck my coaches. Like I just, just, not me personally, like other people, maybe, but like, I'm like maybe a doctor or a masseuse. Sure. But like not a coach, not really, not in my fantasy wheelhouse. No, totally not. No, because they're going to be like, how did you feel about that? And I'm like, I'm not great because you refuse to use lube. So, okay. And they're like, okay, this isn't hot anymore. And you're like, all right, well, anyways, next, next, what's the next one? Let's try the fireman again. That was fun. <laughs> Spray uh, me down, Mr. Fireman. Yeah, put me up against the letter. <laughs> okay, I have to ask you, Jonathan, because like we've talked about Joe has an additional partner. You guys have like okay. been going through this. You're on a dating app. Like, have you been able to explore like physical intimate connections outside of your primary situation? Have you like dipped in yet or? Yeah, by the way, nothing confidential. So you're yeah, sorry. This is like all of it. I <laughs> just, made out with just someone. Kidding. Whatever you're comfortable. You made out with someone? Oh, uh-huh. okay. No, no, no. <laughs> like made no, out naked or just like? No, no sex. Okay. Just made out. Oh, okay, just okay. made out. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm on all the dating apps and it's all fucking hard. <laughs> that, yeah, that sounds like a full-time job. It is difficult as um, 
a male in 2020 who identifies as ethically non-monogamous or polyamorous I think just because there's so many just different attachments and perceptions of who I might be Mm. and that I might be just like looking a fuck around but yeah I funny enough I've had more um interactions with um like dates and with new people than she has Okay. Yeah. Well, you have the same one over and over mostly, but yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm having Joe. So you guys, for the listeners, Joe is coming back and we're like going to go to town on like so All many things. So things. I didn't even feel the need to like go. I just, I really, I loved your story. And when, I mean, that episode you guys shared was fucking raw. I mean, it was, I mean, was there was raw. crying like that. I mean, that's basically my baseline. Like if you were crying on your own podcast, which I have done by the way, so good company. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that's when, you know, that's when you know that you're like sharing stuff before you're like on what I call like the tidy other side where you're like, Hey, let me lean back and give you this beautifully like yeah. gift packaged, like lesson that I got out of the whole thing. You're like, no, I'm like coming to you from the swirl. Like this is how, yeah. and, um, and there's something powerful about that. Yeah, I think so too, though. Like people got to witness the beautiful packaged up stuff over the last year and a half. Yeah. They didn't get to see the wounded stuff that we went through. And, you know, recording those two episodes are really difficult for us because, you know, we, we have, we had to open up some wounds. Yeah. You know, so. And you guys are so, I mean, it's, like I hate I hate the word brave because again like all my favorite words have been turned into buzzwords now but I'm like you guys are so brave I mean you are though like I really I just I want to acknowledge and honor you guys for just how messy that is and how uncomfortable it is and how scary it is because especially I mean you guys have um, a a large platform and it's really uncomfortable to share stuff like that with with them you know because you don't know how it's going to be received and and Mm -hmm. you can you can pretty much guarantee some sort of, you know, flack, some sort of backwash from the whole situation. And Mm -hmm. you just, you don't know how that's going to go. And that can be um, really scary too. I mean, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to share your most intimate life online. Like still, I know it's like the norm now, but it's it's still weird. It's still weird for me when I like release a podcast that's live and I'm like, Oh, suddenly all of those people, this little number on the screen that keeps ticking up. Those are people that I potentially don't know who are hearing the stuff about me that like people in my family don't know. So it's it's interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, but I so appreciate the way that you guys just show up in, in your lives and you are exactly like who you are online, like in person and I slash mm-hmm. across video. We unfortunately are not able to be <laughs> together, together in person. That's okay. Be next level, but you can hear my screaming. Yeah. Yeah. You can hear my <laughs> screaming baby while I like swig wine and like stare at the yes. door sweating. And I'm like, is he going to do it? <laughs> Is he gonna come in? It's so funny because, like, it's so interesting because me, as the one who did most of the child rearing for our oh, girls, yeah, yeah. I, I just like want to go there and like. <laughs> He's oh. like, I want to do something for her. She's <laughs> so mad. I know, and then like both you and I are probably like, okay, cool, thanks. We'll just say this podcast and we'll just keep talking. <laughs> I mean, this is my first rodeo, so I am sweating out my armpits a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm always like, oh my god, like I have, I've abandoned him, and How he old? is doing his best. Yes. She'll be four months uh i'm like where are we we're like you know almost, almost four months almost kids four months are so resilient kids, kids are so they resilient. are 
They You're super so are. And well, yeah. and she's, I mean, I'm more worried about him. Honestly. I'm like, what is she, <laughs> yeah. what is she doing to him? To like, him. She's, yeah. she's just mad. Like I can hear her. I'm like, yeah. she's, yeah. she needs nothing. She's she pissed need, off. Yeah. yeah. She needs she's, something. She needs something. She's very like, angry. She needs me to acknowledge yeah. her in all of her exactly. like queenly savageness. And then she'll be like, okay. <laughs> like that's as soon as I walk out and take her, I'll be like, Hey, how's it going? And she'll be like, yeah. Hi, mommy. And then she, yeah. and then she's gonna go to sleep. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then she'll be totally fine. Mike is the yeah. real MVP. He, whenever he I is. have, whenever I have an episode, because since she decided that she wasn't gonna nap on an actual schedule, which surprise, I mean, yeah. How yeah. how rookie am I that I thought that was even a thing? Um, she he has to stay home when I do episodes because sometimes she can go to sleep and she'll sleep yeah. for like three hours. And then as soon as I schedule an interview, she falls asleep and she's up every 20 minutes screaming and I have to like go in and shush <laughs> her. Does. And I'm like, she I'm does. like, just come with me into the bedroom. We're going to just give a booty <laughs> pat and she'll be out in just like two seconds. Yeah. She knows. She knows. Yeah, she does. <laughs> um, but you guys are incredible. And I'm just so grateful for the work that you're doing in the world and for just, I mean, it's just so powerful to have, humans being themselves, being fully yeah. themselves, like showing what it means, showing authenticity instead of just talking about authenticity. Yeah. I think that's really important. And, you know, there are plenty of people who are going to be listening to this podcast who are going to be super uncomfortable with everything sure. that we talked about. They're going to be sitting there like, mm, like, I don't even know if I want to listen to Kristen anymore. That was weird. for yeah. me. And like, that's cool. Like as usual, I invite you guys to take that discomfort, follow it down the rabbit hole, get yep. really curious about it and figure out what, what uh, exactly, what exactly makes you uncomfortable. And then send me a message. Like I'm totally down to like, talk to you about it, to feel through it. But ultimately you don't have to agree. Like you don't have to agree yeah. with everything that I present and talk about on the show. Mm -hmm. I just think that perspective and experiences are so important. And even from like, I personally don't feel the need to run out and open my marriage at this moment, but there's so many things that my marriage could benefit from that you guys have had to learn in this process, like yeah. the pristine communication and oh the boundaries gosh. and the energy segmenting and the respect. And like, there's so many things that go into making a polyamorous or ethical non-monogamous relationship work that would revitalize a more traditional marriage model. Yeah. And I want people to get that. I'm like, you don't have to yeah. be non-monogamous to pull value from right. your story and from what you guys have shared. And right. I think right. there's so much to be related to in it. And as always, I mean, these conversations, the point of them is to highlight really how much more alike we are than different, just yes. what your personal flavor is. So yes. you guys, yeah. it was beautiful. You did beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Really appreciate it was it. an honor being on this, on this podcast and I can't wait to come back. Yeah, can't wait to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how much they're going to be able to hear the baby since you guys can hear her. Like she's pretty worked up right now. So oh, she is. She's, real, okay. she's so mad. <laughs> she's so cute though. It really helps. <laughs> we say that all the time. I'll like have a day, like Michael get home and I'm like sweating and like half undressed because she is yeah. me. And so we're like, just, we're both hot and we're like making each other yeah. sweat. And I'm just like, Hey, and he's like, how's our baby? And I'm like, she's really fucking adorable. So everything. Is totally <laughs> fine. I'm like, I need to like go stick my head in the freezer and like drink a glass of wine, but like, she's great. And yeah, right? everything's going to be okay because she smiled at me for like three seconds in the middle of her onslaught and everything. I was like, oh, whatever. Everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs>
Um, oh my god that's good that mother train train you well thank you we appreciate that it's been um it's been a journey and i think since those last two episodes even for us right now we're we're you know working through we're working through just like some of the again like you have to open up some old wounds like sharing those well stuff has to come back up and then i'm sure (laughs) like you guys what has the response been like it's actually been, you know what, we it's have been, had- It's been more positive than- Like overwhelmingly positive. positive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have those, you had a couple, we had a couple people who were just like, oh my God, you guys are going to ruin your daughters. And, and, you know, funny enough, it's like we, we did a like make shit, like a, a little bonus episode the other day because my daughter and I just wanted a riff in conversation and I listened to the recording and was editing it. I'm like, if people think we ruined our daughters- uh, you need because uh, yeah, she's well adjusted as fuck and yeah, yeah. and she's yeah. really mature and she has some really great points to talk about like personal relationships boundaries and all those other things yeah <laughs> don't think we actually ruined her and i mean even in listening to that it's i i can like look at joanne and like we did a pretty good job of beyond a good job a 16 year old yeah. thus, thus yeah. far I mean, and gosh, that's, I mean, I have that to look forward to. Like, that's just good on you. Like a teenager in general, like the fact that she is like speaking to you and like eating pizza that you ordered and like hanging out and, you know, you guys are doing a great fucking job. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're doing an amazing job. Like our, our goal for sharing those two episodes, we're not only to let people into some of the messy parts of our world, but also to invite just like this podcast is to invite conversation. Yeah. And what we got from a lot of people, um, they were like, you know, not only is it like great and brave and courageous that we're sharing those pieces, but we also had people who had dealt with infidelity in their relationships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had people who are also in the non-monogamy community, like reach out to us and just say, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having these conversations. Thank you for bringing them to light. Thank you for not making me feel alone. Yeah. And for us, that was the biggest thing because you know, within our relationship, we've been together for 18 years. There are definitely some dark moments where John and I felt alone in our struggle. Yeah. And we were like, can we even speak out on this without feeling ashamed that, you know, we're not able to figure out our relationship, but it's like, actually nobody has a template for how to relate to people. There's no rule book, guidebook. So, you know, as far as like the response goes, like, yeah, you know what we had, it's been really good. And we were so happy to just hear from people that it's just having, they're able to have conversations with their partners they never had before. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that, to me, that's the goal. most powerful thing is being able to, I mean, that's one of my favorite marriage tools of all time is like sending uh, a podcast that said everything I've been wanting to say, but like, he's not going to hear from me. And I'm like, I heard this and I found this very interesting thoughts, Yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. what I think is a beautiful part. Mm, that's awesome. Well, I'm so I'm just grateful that you guys said yes and that you came on the show and I, because it's really easy. Like I definitely, I mean, my whole goal is to normalize taboo and stigmatic conversations that are keeping primarily women, but like it affects their partners too. Like, and a lot of those are men in my audience. And so it very much matters like what those things are. And sure, like people who relate to my story, it's like the first couple of episodes, like it was pretty heavily, you know, people who wanted to be like, well, I used to be in church and now I'm definitely not. And I like got fucked up about sex and I'm like, cool, we got you. Like, let's talk about like, you know, those are the people who were like finding me and relating to me. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that I was able to do that. But I'm like this, the platform, like my vision for it is so much bigger than that. I'm like, I want to hold and facilitate that space for other conversations to come in even and especially if they make me uncomfortable because right. I have to constantly, I'm constantly, you know, calling myself up to the highest level of integrity possible and being curious and like knocking out 
judgment, you know, the tendency to be judgmental and all of that. And I just, I think it's really important and it, it does, it gives people something to talk about. And the next time they talk about it, you know, it's like having this basis where they're like, so I don't know how I feel about it. I'm like, that's a great place to be. Like, it's a great, a great place to be. If you don't know how you yeah. feel about it, that means you haven't judged it yet, which is awesome. Yeah. And, then, so like, and then any feeling is yeah, acceptable. It's okay. Point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I love that. I'm going to go rescue my husband, but I really <laughs> am so grateful for you guys. I loved oh, like connecting with you like face to face and yeah. let's do it again. A hundred percent. Yes. Joe, we for really sure. do it again, but we're yes. friends now. So let's You're keep doing so it. Welcome. I- hey, thank you so much for hanging in there and listening with an open and curious heart. I hope this conversation has inspired, educated, and entertained you, or at the very least shaken things up in a productive way. Ann Voskamp says that shame dies when stories are told in safe places. So please share, rate, and review. Sending you love and dark chocolate. Talk soon.